agricultural equipment has changed in many ways over the years. From using horses to having automated technology and GPS systems, farmers are innovative. I'm Charity Seebecker from the Midwest Farm Report. Nathan Pierce of Cumberland owns a 1919 Wisconsin tractor that was built in Sauk City. This is one of only 15 of its kind still in existence. Pierce shares more about what makes this tractor so unique. But first, he talks about why the history of agricultural equipment is important to him. You know, it's interesting to see the progression. You know, you go from a machine like this that was built in 1919 to the big Case IH and John Deere stuff now, and just the safety improvements, the materials they're built out of. You know, um, there's they use a lot of plastics now. I mean, the safety differences between them. I mean, if you look at this one, you can see all the exposed gears and the exposed flywheels and stuff. And, you know, you wonder why farmers lost digits to their hands back in the day. Well, it's because nothing was covered, and they've come a long way as far as that. So speaking of this piece of equipment, take me through what is this, the age, the history, how did your family get it? Really tell me the story behind this piece of equipment. So this is a 1919 Wisconsin tractor that was built in Sauk City, Wisconsin by a company called the uh, Wisconsin Tractor Corporation. It's a precursor to the McFarland Implement Corporation, which is still in existence down there. They build build big tillage equipment now. One of the McFarlands was a partner in the business. Um, they started the company in approximately 1918. They built these tractors for about seven or eight years. A lot of the stuff is secondhand that we got. We think they manufactured about 500 of them. Um, we know of about 15 of them that are still in existence. Um, the one that we're looking at here is uh, the way they categorized these old tractors was by horsepower. So it's a 1632, which means it had 16 horsepower on the drawbar to pull things and 32 horsepower on the belt, which is what it was really made for was for powering and threshing machines and stuff. So an independent contractor would buy one of these tractors usually and then they'd buy a thrasher and they'd go around, they'd have a route back in the day in the fall and they'd stop at each farmstead and th thresh the farmers' grains and wheats and stuff and then they'd go to the next farm because a lot of the farmers, they couldn't afford to have a machine like this just sitting there um, year-round. The company, they, they kind of... They didn't manufacture a lot of stuff themselves. They took parts that were readily available and built a tractor. So they put three different engines in them. The one that we're looking at here is a Climax engine, which was made in Clinton, Iowa. They put Waukesha engines in them, which were made over by Milwaukee. And they put Beaver engines in them, and I can't remember where they built those. Uh, the transmissions were made by a company out of Chicago called Foot Brothers. Um, the only thing they really manufactured was that frame that puts everything together. So they built those in-house and then they kind of put everything on top of it. They did their own castings. We have examples of the wooden castings that they used to make all the cast metal for the frames that they manufactured um, in-house. They actually ended up, they started in Lodi, Wisconsin, and they were only there for a short time. And they moved, they bought an old car manufacturing building in Sauk City and that's where they built most of the tractors. They were revolutionary for the time. If you look at comparable tractors of this age, you'll see exposed gears and other things. Uh, this one has totally enclosed final drive, which was a big thing because the dust and the dirt didn't get in there and wreck all your drive teeth. 
This was actually originally built to run on kerosene. We don't do that anymore, so it would have had two fuel tanks. You started on gasoline, and then when the engine heated up, you, you hit a valve under there and transferred to the kerosene. It burned a little cleaner and a little hotter, and you can get more horsepower out of it. We actually did put this on a dynameter, and it's rated for 32 on the belt, 32 horsepower. We got about 30 horsepower on it. I was really surprised that it was, and we weren't working it that hard. I'm kind of scared to work it because you can't get, if something breaks, you're kind of out of luck because, like I said, there's only 15 of them that we know of that still are in existence. My grandfather and father purchased it about 60 years ago, and the reason my grandfather bought it is because when he was a kid, the farm he worked on, they had one. Not this one, but they had a similar model, and he wanted one of those when he got older. So they found one. They bought it up around Reedsburg 60 years ago, and it's been in my family. Um, my grandfather's passed away, and he left it to my dad. Do you guys ever use it once you've got it out in the field for threshing, or is it more of the nostalgic aspect of it and take it to shows? Well, he mostly got it for the nostalgic reasons, but he did, my grandfather, he had, they had two thrashing machines on the farm that I remember from when I was little, and they'd run them once. The one of them worked, the other one I don't think ever worked, but uh, that's not why he bought it. How do you keep it in such good condition all these years? Uh, in 2018 was the 100th anniversary of the corporation, so we... About two years before that, we kind of had came up with a plan on how we were gonna. It was all it always looked good, but we totally stripped it down and repainted it. And we repainted the hood, uh, repainted the whole frame and the engine and everything. We bought a new radiator for it because that had rotted out at the bottom. It was 100 years old. That's what they do. We went down to Ohio, and a guy who builds. That's all he does is build high-quality radiators. He builds radiators for, like, cords out on the West Coast for movie stars and stuff. We got him to refurbish the radiator, and um, it's still got the manufacturer tag. He left that on it and everything. Transmission's never really been a part either. The engine's never had the heads off of it. Um, we did just blow it out and everything, but essentially we just repainted it. The reason it stays so nice is because it never sits outside. Um, it's always inside, other than at a show like this. It never sits outside. So, uh, Ever since I remember, and I'm 47, I remember it from when I was a little kid. It's never sat outside. It's always been in a barn or something. Dad and Grandpa, I have pictures of them driving it from their farm. on the. They live out in the country on the west side of Baraboon. Back when the, the show used to be at the county fairgrounds, they drive it through town rather than trailer over there. I can't imagine doing that because it goes about a mile and a half an hour. That was Nathan Pierce, owner of a 1919 Wisconsin tractor. You can see a photo of this tractor on our website at MidwestFarmReport.com. From the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Charity Seebecker.